You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. We're going to open up God's Word. Psalm 100, if you have your Bibles this morning or digital devices, uh, Psalm 100. We're going to dive into two different psalms this morning as we learn about this central part of our identity as followers of Jesus, which is that of worshipers. We are worshipers of the Lord. It's what he's created us to be. If you're lacking purpose, if you're lacking clarity on what to give yourself to, I'm telling you, worship is what you were created for. Worship is part of our, worshipers, being worshipers is part of our identity in Christ, central to this life and our eternity with the Lord, is being worshipers. And so Jesus described this day and age in which you and I live in, John chapter four. He said um, that there's a day coming, and in fact, that day is here. When, when these worshipers that worship in spirit and truth will arise. He says the Father is actually seeking after these worshipers. So you can just picture the eyes of the Lord, the Father, drawn towards these ones who want to live lives that honor and glorify him, that are a sweet fragrance to him. And so we started diving into this last week. There's going to be a series of messages that, are, that have been in my heart in this regard um, that have been stirring for, for quite some time. And we learned last week that in worship, we build the Lord a house, a place for him to come and dwell with his people. Not just in worship on Sunday morning. This worship, corporately and through music, is sacred, it's beautiful, it's biblical. But worship is so much more than that. And I'm aiming to blow those compartments apart that we oftentimes put worship and we oftentimes put the Lord. This beautiful house that's built through worship has a... This beautiful courtyard that we're going to enter in through this morning, it's the courtyards of praise, the gates of praise that we we draw towards this house with. But in this house, there's a beautiful table the Lord has set for us. It's the Lord's table in this house. There's a a prayer closet for you to get alone with the Father. This this house has a a family room because the Lord has knit us together in community with a spiritual family. This, This house has a garden, which is the mission of God for us to be fruitful as we abide with the Lord. And so we're going to uh, unpack all of these aspects of the house of the Lord that we build through worship. And so worship and so much of this series is meant to be very practical and meant to be equipping us. So grab a hammer. This is going to be us building the house of the Lord through worship. So worship is not just uh, the gifting of a few people that are really drawn to music. Worship is for all of us. So you're all grabbing a hammer. Picture yourself grabbing the tool, grabbing the skill saw, if you like power tools, grabbing the hammer. You are going to be a part of building the house of the Lord, building this place where the Lord is drawn and he wants to come and dwell with his people. Um, And we're going to unpack that in Psalm 100, specifically through how, how, how I believe we approach the house of God, which is through thanksgiving. It's through praise. It's this response every single day to give acknowledgement to um, the reality that everything comes from the Lord. Everything is from him, through him, and for him. So every day is a good day to say thanks. Every day is a good day to praise the Lord, regardless of your circumstances, your bank account, or, or what happened yesterday. Today is a day you can say thanks and you can offer him praise. It's a beautiful fragrance to the Lord. We're going to learn that this morning. Uh, if, you're, if you're ready. So are you ready? 
Okay, for those that didn't answer, we're gonna pray for you right now. We're gonna pray that God meets you and all of us, that the Lord just, we need Holy Spirit to see the words and understand and receive the word uh, correctly. So let's just lean into Holy Spirit right now. Can we do that? Lord, we love you. We thank you for the gathering of your people. We thank you for the family of God. We thank you for community. Even for guests that are here this morning who wouldn't say this is their community. God, we pray that you would speak in this sacred place. I'm always in awe of the fact that there's never going to be a gathering like this, again, of this combination of people. It's just the reality of it. This is a once in a lifetime moment. So Holy Spirit, come, quicken us, awaken us, stir us, give us faith to receive from you, lift the veil from our eyes to see you rightly once again. That's our prayer, your precious name, amen. If you remember last week, we, as we were talking about building a house for the Lord through worship, we talked about three usages of the word worship throughout scripture, Old and New Testament, uh, 10 to one ratio in, in terms of the, the, word of the, the word worship used in scripture, it's used in the context of bowing down, laying prostrate before a superior. So we learn that primarily worship is rightly acknowledging the Lord's preeminence, his superiority to us. He's God and we are not. And so if worship is gonna do anything in our lives, even just Monday morning, it's acknowledging God, you are God, and I am not. I'm your servant. You're God, you're sovereign, you're Lord. That's so freeing, it's such a freeing place. That's what allows us to step into our identity as children of God. He is, he is the Lord. And, and it should be noted in that first usage, that primary usage of the word worship throughout scripture, it's most of the time denoting some physical response, like literally bowing down. And so, um, it's, it's, it's never just a mental ascent. There's a physical response of worship, acknowledging the Lord is God. Jesus is God, I am not. The, the, the second and third usages of that word worship, one was to minister to the Lord, so like to love him, to cherish him, to want to meet his desires, to bring pleasure to him. And the, the third is to serve him. So for all you really practical people, Serving the Lord can be worship if you're rightly acknowledging him as the one who's worthy of um, energetic, joyful service. That's why worship is so much more than, than just our songs. Our worship can be um, something we experience and give and offer to the Lord throughout our days, seven days a week. Amen? Okay. So we're gonna to continue to break this down, um, Psalm 100, and then we're gonna to turn to Psalm 118 in just a minute, because Psalm 100, it's very short, five verses, so if you're getting nervous about turning too many places, it's only five verses. We're gonna dive into this. Um, this is what it says. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. So this music thing that we experience even on Sunday mornings, it's, 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 not a, it's not a new fad. There are new fads in the church which I, I think have been um, a step backwards. Like music as a concert in the church, that's not what's being discussed here, that's not biblical, but 
But singing to the Lord is this ancient way of expressing our hearts to the Lord and what we were created to express to the Lord, offer to him. So the psalmist says that, come into his presence with singing, this joy bursting from our souls. Verse three, know that the Lord, he is God. It's he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. The Lord is good. And this is a psalm, that verse, that last verse is a psalm that's repeated throughout all 150 psalms. Time and time again, the Lord is good. That revelation of the, it's like the, the pinnacle of the character of the Lord is his goodness. He is good. And everything you look around is an expression of his goodness, of his kindness, of his mercy. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. So thanksgiving and praise are kind of synonyms here, and they are throughout Scripture. Thanksgiving and praise, so as I use those this morning semi-interchangeably, um, do not be turned around. That's on purpose, scripturally. Praise, thanksgiving, rejoicing are all kind of in that same pot. It's a, it's, a, it's a way of expressing gratitude that the Lord is worthy of. I believe that thanksgiving is, is always this recognition and response to a daily invitation from the Lord. Just to, just to be, just to experience his kindness. Every morning you wake up, there's an invitation awaiting, awaiting you from the Lord. There's an invitation to come near. And so as we're building this house, you're, you're desiring to draw near to the house of the Lord with thanksgiving and praise. What is it that we leave out on the curb at our households, at our, at our houses, our properties. It's the garbage, it's the stuff you, you don't want anymore. It's the, the stuff you're discarding. For, for some, my wife included, that's where they find all the, all the really amazing things, is people's curbs, um, <laughs> the stuff they leave out, your garbage, my wife is, is finding some cool stuff. So lay that aside, people's ways of finding treasures. In this analogy, the curb is not where we wanna live. The curb is where we discard offense and bitterness and just like this woeful discouragement, pity parties that we throw for ourselves, the, this disbelief towards the goodness of the Lord, we leave that at the curb and we make a decision to respond to this invitation from the Lord to say, the Lord is good. Today he's worthy of praise. And we take a step towards the Lord, towards these beautiful gates, towards this, this court, we say, praise God, because he's worthy. We say, thank you, Lord, for today. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. That's how we approach him. And every day is that beautiful invitation. So I believe that as we say yes to that invitation, this positions us for two very specific things that I want to unpack this morning. Thanksgiving. Praise as we're building this house sets us up as the people of God 
to host the Lord in, a, in, a, in, very, in two very specific ways. And the first we see here in Psalm 100. Thanksgiving or praise positions us to receive truth. It positions us to receive, and I would even say embrace truth. If you think of what the opposite of pride, I mean, the opposite of gratitude is, it's pride. It's, it's entitlement. It's this um, complete disregard for how you even got here, for how you are sitting in this privileged position today. It's a complete disregard for that. That's, that's what uh, the opposite of gratitude is, if we think about it. Think of the analogy of sitting around a table, beautiful feast um, provided for you. Maybe you've experienced this in your, in your household, just because we take for granted things in, in all of our households. We sit down and the feast has been prepared and, and everyone just starts diving in. Maybe you threw, offer the Lord a quick grace, but then you dive in and everyone's, you know, they're just enjoying it and they're passing stuff. 15, 20 minutes go by, completely disregarding whoever it was that prepared that beautiful meal. Never even a, a sense of gratitude, a sense to stop and say, wow, think of all that was put into this. This is such a beautiful spread. That's, that's what maturity is, right? That's what is just really common decency in our relationships one with, with another. But that is entitlement. That's taking for granted what has been so beautifully provided for us. Gratitude is opening up our eyes to recognize this beautiful spread that has been provided for us. And so gratitude positions us to receive truth and embrace truth. That this has been provided by the Lord himself. This is the Lord's doing. My life, my breath, the opportunities before me, my, my health, it's provided to me by the Lord. It's all the Lord's. We see that here. And the psalmist is calling us to make a joyful noise, to be, to be loud about it, to not hold back, to express this thanks with a boldness in our hearts, the Lord's kindness. But as we do it, verse three, says that's where we receive this reality that he is God, that he is the Lord. That's where we begin to know it. He is God, I am not. As we, we thank him, as we praise him, we're positioned to be in a place to actually embrace the truth that he is God. He is positioned high above. He is superior, he's creator God. The one everything comes from and the only, only reason we are here, it's the Lord. He's God. He made us. We are his. We're his people, the sheep of his pasture. So thanksgiving just softens our hearts to position us in a place to receive this truth. He is God. He's sovereign. He's Lord. He's full of wisdom. He's the essence of wisdom. It's not just receiving truth and embracing truth about his character and his eternal reality, but it's also embracing truth and receiving truth about our situations, the situations we're in. Like we, we don't think rightly when we're standing out on the curb in the trash heap. We just don't think right 
about situations. We kind of create these narratives in our head. We, we spiral quickly in our discouragement, in our pity parties, right? Some of you are nervous to nod your head, but I'll, I'll nod my head. This is the reality of things out on the curb in our trash heaps. But something happens as we begin to open up our mouth and I would even advocate for loudly with singing. And you begin to open up your mouth with thanksgiving and praise and your heart just begins to soften. And it doesn't matter as much this narrative that we've created in our, mouth, in, our, in our minds of complaining and bitterness, discouragement. It gets washed away in this revelation. The Lord is God. Not only is he just God, but he is good. And his love endures forever. So out on that heap, the garbage heap, there's boredom, there's apathy towards the Lord, but every day there's this invitation to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, I praise you. And we enter through those gates. I pray that you'd open up your eyes next time you're reading through the Old Testament and you notice this pattern throughout the story of Israel where they kind of fall into this, this mode of complaining and grumbling, of disbelief towards the character of God. I believe that's one reason that this, this um, statement about the goodness of the Lord and his ever-enduring love is a staple. It's a, it's a steady diet for, for Israel because they need to continually be reminded of it. And so you see it even in Moses as he's uh, exhorting the people of Israel. He's, tur he's turning them towards praising the Lord, towards thanking the Lord for everything that he had provided for them. You know, it didn't take them long from being literally freed from slavery in Egypt and having three meals a day provided for them miraculously in the wilderness before they fall back into grumbling and complaining. They stayed there out on the, the curbside rather than choosing to respond to the invitation to say, thank you, Lord. I praise you. I praise you for today. We praise you for our freedom. We praise you for your victorious hand that saved us. And that became the steady um, call within Israel was for them to praise and thank the Lord. The famous uh, preacher and writer Ian Bounds wrote this. He said, the spirit of praise was once the boast of the primitive church, of the early church. This spirit abode on the tabernacle of these early Christians as a cloud of glory out of which God shined and spoke. It filled their temples with the perfume of costly flaming incense. And that this spirit of praise is sadly deficient in our present day congregations must be evident to every careful observer. That is a mighty force in projecting the gospel and its body of vital forces must be equally evident. This is part of the testimony of Christ that is needed in this world, this uncanny, unexplainable people who can offer up thanks and praise to the Lord regardless of our situations. Like we're just a ragtag, humble group, but we offer the Lord an extravagant sound of praise and of thanksgiving and it's a head scratcher to the world. It, it causes them to wonder, what is it about these people? And the Lord is so drawn to that. His presence comes and 
dwells in our midst. Amen? So thanksgiving positions us to receive truth about the character of the Lord and about situations that we face. I would even say about how we view other people. Thanksgiving just softens our hearts and positions us to actually embrace the truth of the situations that we face in this life. I had a dear friend, and I considered him a mentor 10, 11 years ago, challenged me to, on a regular basis, take 10 minutes, actually set a timer, and just thank the Lord. He was really speaking a lot of life into me in a season where I felt honestly over my head oftentimes, and I still feel that way, so that's why I continue to do this. Um, but he, as he was just encouraging me, he was such an encourager. He was a Barnabas in my life. And he eventually brought me to, to this discipline that he had developed in his own life of offering the Lord thanksgiving. And at first when he, he told me about this, this discipline, setting a timer and actually just thanking the Lord, not asking the Lord for anything, not moving on to anything else. Um, it sounded daunting. It sounded like it would be difficult to do. But I began to realize what begins to flow from my heart as I begin to thank the Lord. One offer of thanksgiving to the Lord leads to the next. And as I begin to offer the Lord thanksgiving about who he is and how he's revealed himself to me, I quickly begin to offer the Lord thanks about what he's done in my life and how he saved me from the, from the trash heap and he positioned me with princes in a kingdom. And before I know it, I begin to thank the Lord about what he's doing in my family and all around me and the, the people that he's moving in their lives. And before I know it, 15 minutes have passed, you know? And it feels like I'm just getting started because every, everything has this invitation within it for us to offer the Lord thanks and praise. So go home, try it. Maybe, maybe I'll start with 10 minutes. Just start with, with two minutes. Start with five minutes and offer the Lord that thanksgiving. You'll begin to see your heart melt before the Lord and your big problems become so small before this Lord who is so beautiful, as we sang earlier. Amen. You tracking? So thanksgiving positions us to receive truth. Let's turn to Psalm 118. We won't read all of Psalm 118, but even just look at verse one. It's not on the screen, but oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. We see it again. He is good. It's a, it's a good, good thing just to hop in your car in the morning and say, Lord, you're good. The Lord is good. <laughs> Doesn't matter how you feel, the Lord is good. That reality, that eternal reality spoken over the cosmos, the Lord is good. Oh, my heart melts. <laughs> Just even saying that the Lord is good. He is so good. Um, let's look at this. Let's start in verse 19. We'll see kind of similar language here. As we're approaching the house of God, we're doing it in a certain way. As we're preparing this place for the Lord to come and dwell with his people on a daily basis in community. 
Look at verse 19. It says, open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the invitation for us to enter through these gates. So the psalmist is saying, hey, open them up for me. I'm coming. I am coming to this place with an offering of thanks and praise on my lips. Verse 20, this is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. So not the self-righteous, but this is the right way to approach the Lord. This is the right way of living in approaching the Lord. It's through this gate of thanksgiving and praise. He says, I thank you that you have answered me and you have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Last week we read from 1 Peter chapter two that we are living stones. The Lord is building a spiritual house with us for his presence to dwell. And, and Peter quotes this right here in Psalm 118, that the Lord is this stone that the builders have rejected. You know, here the psalmist is applying it to Israel, that Israel becomes this stone that the world rejects. But we ultimately know that that is fulfilled in Jesus. Verse 25, save us, we pray, or Hosanna, Oh Lord, we pray, give us success. Verse 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. There's so much in this passage that's referenced throughout scripture. We'll see how much we, we get to this morning. But in this second psalm, I want to emphasize that thanksgiving positions us to receive faith from the Lord. So first we, we understood thanksgiving, praise, positions us to receive truth. Here we see that thanksgiving positions us to receive faith. And you may, you may say, Drew, isn't faith something that I have, that I give to the Lord, or that the, that, that's just innate in me? But I would say, no, biblically, faith is a gift from the Lord. Faith is something that the Lord gives to us. It's the Lord opening up our eyes. It's all by grace. So let us never wrongly associate faith to something that we've created, something that we have produced in ourselves. It's maybe a sign of our character, or our humility or something. It's, it's all from the Lord. It's all the Lord's kindness. And the Lord is the, I mean, the writer of Hebrews said that. He's the, the author of faith and he's the perfecter of faith. And so we, we see in scripture, faith is either a gift or it's a fruit. It's something that the Lord bears out of our life. But the Lord is the source of all those things and he is the source of faith in our lives. And I found that thanksgiving positions us to receive faith from the Lord. As you see in the psalmist here, this childlikeness that rises up in him. In you know, verse 25, I, highlight, I highlighted you know, in English, it says, save us. It's Hosanna, this song that the both the kids and all the worshipers in Jerusalem welcomed Jesus with. 
on the, the week of Passover as he was entering back into Jerusalem. It was this, this cry from Psalm 118, Hosanna, save us, the worthy one. Obviously, they, they wrongly thought he was gonna somehow save him, them politically from, from Rome, but they were fulfilling what the psalmist was, was pointing us to, towards. This one who would come to those that actually have faith to receive him would come and save us, who would come and truly rescue us. Not just temporarily from world systems, but eternally from the world systems and save us to be with him. And thanksgiving positions us to receive that from the Lord. I believe thanksgiving is, is connected to dependence. This, this acknowledgement that everything comes from him, which is part of what I first talked about, positions us to receive truth. But now if we're talking about faith, we want to live in that place of dependence. And thanksgiving positions us to be in that place of continual dependence on the Lord. We realize that everything comes from him. Everything comes through him. Everything is for him. And dependence is such a good place to live. Dependent on the Lord. Not striving. That's, it's exhausting. We're trying to produce things in our own flesh, in our own human charisma or personality, but truly dependent on the Lord. And thanksgiving positions us to live in that place. I think that's one reason Paul in all his letters is constantly exhorting people to thank the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter five, he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. So not just on Sunday mornings, people, okay? He says, pray without ceasing, rejoice always. And he says, give thanks in all circumstances. And I think this last phrase is very revealing. He says, for this is the will of God for you. That's God's will for you. You wanna know the will of God for your life? Live continually in this place of thanksgiving. That's his will for you. I would say beyond your vocation or the house that you buy or the car that you buy, the Lord's highest will for you, the highest plane of living is to live in this place of thanksgiving and praise, rejoicing always in all circumstances, praying without ceasing. This is God's will for you. And there is this conduit of faith that we then have opened up to us in that place of thanksgiving. I need faith. I need faith to breathe. I need faith to live with the Lord. We need faith. We're saved by grace through faith. I want to ask you this question. What would your day look like if, if you chose to acknowledge God's perspective on things? And, and Thanksgiving positions us to actually receive the Lord's perspective on things. Not in the place of disbelief or, or doubt or frustration or cynicism. It says cynicism can kind of eat away at any of our hearts. But when we leave that at the trash heap on the curb and we move towards the Lord with thanksgiving and praise and our hearts begin to, to melt in his revealed character, we receive faith to actually embrace his, his perspective on things.
his perspective on our work situation or our, our family, extended family situation or, or drama that's kind of impeded our life. When the Lord comes and softens our hearts, we receive his perspective on things. And Thanksgiving positions us to receive that. Amen? I believe Thanksgiving invites faith, and we're positioned to receive faith because it's the proper response to the mercy of God. You know, gratitude reflects what the Lord is worthy of. Every single day is this response to what the Lord, is an opportunity to show a response to what the Lord has done for us. And so the Lord, I feel like he's so drawn to these tender hearts that acknowledge him for who he is and the mercy that he's extended towards us. The fact that I woke up today, it's by the mercy of God. Amen? And you, you look around your life and it's by the mercy and by the grace and the kindness of the Lord. And so Thanksgiving invites the Lord to give us more faith. He wants to entrust more faith to those ones who receive it with such gratitude, who receive it with such humility in their hearts. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through 10, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing, it's the gift of God. It's not the results of your own work in the flesh, your self-righteousness, so no one can boast. We are his workmanship created in God for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there's this, this beautiful partnership. We're building a house for the Lord to come and dwell, but it's all by his mercy and by his grace. That's why we offer thanksgiving and we approach with, with thanksgiving and praise. Just the opportunity to pick up a hammer in the house of God is the kindness of the Lord. It's his grace and his mercy. He could have left us discarded on the curb in the trash heap, but no, he gave us an invitation and he gave us the faith to then respond to his kindness and his goodness. It's all by the, the kindness of the Lord. And so Paul says it elsewhere too. He says in Colossians, he says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So it's, it's really interesting how Paul constantly is weaving prayer and thanksgiving together. And he says, be watchful in it with thanksgiving. Because it's in the place of thanksgiving and praise that we, we see mo most clearly. Because we're, we're standing on the truth of the Lord's character. We're standing on the, the solid foundation of the Lord's perspective on things. So we see things clearly. So we're, we're living with eyes wide open. Because we're living with thankful hearts. We see things more clearly. So thanksgiving positions us to receive this faith. This is the Lord's will for us. He's, his will for us is to move from immaturity. Think of those, those kids, their grubby hands all over the food that you prepared. Lord's will for you is to, for you to move from this kind of spirit of entitlement, maybe a kid who's been handed everything, to a responsible adult. It's called maturity. And so maturity in the kingdom is this humility to recognize how this world goes around and it's by the kindness and the goodness of the Lord. That's the Lord's will for you, is for you to move to maturity. And that's why Paul in his letters is constantly contending that they live in this place 
of thanksgiving. I want to end by just pointing us to what Peter pointed us to in Psalm 118. It's the recognition of this cornerstone that many reject. Verse 22, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So there's something about the ways of God amongst humanity that, that many will miss. And who are the ones that will miss it? It's those that have that pride and that self-righteousness and entitlement who live each day oblivious to their creator and the fact that their breath that day is but by God. They'll miss it. They'll miss it. They'll reject it. But rather, the Lord's will for us is to embrace his um, what would be called foolish in the eyes of the world, his foolish ways, and recognize that on him, he is meant to be the cornerstone, he's meant to be the foundation, he's meant to be the, the purpose of it all. You know, later in the Gospels, Jesus points to himself as the temple. So it's really interesting that he's the temple, he's the great high priest, but he invites us to be the builders of this house now in this new covenant age. And we're building it on this cornerstone, on the foundation of the Lord himself. And it takes humility to build it on the Lord. I'm gonna invite Scott to come to the keys. So regardless of where you're at this morning, we all can stoke gratitude in our hearts by posturing our hearts before the Lord to acknowledge that he is God, we are not, And very practically, we open up our mouths and we say, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. That's where it starts. Say, praise God. That Hebrew word, hallelujah. The first part of it is praise. Hala. (laughs) Okay? Hala. It means you got to lift up your voice. You got to shout it. Hala. Okay? That's the word. Hala is praise. The last part is, is Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. He's worthy of that. He's worthy of you hollering. Holla. He's worthy of that. And you open up your mouth and you, you holla to the Lord. Okay? Let's all stand in this place. We're going to thank the Lord for his kindness. We're going to praise him. We're going to allow him to melt our hearts in a way that moves beyond Sunday morning. Because my all week long, my my heart for this morning is that God would just open up your eyes to the invitation that's awaiting for you Monday morning. That what happens even in these moments and these spaces would translate into our lives Monday through Saturday. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.